0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rosie Posey podcast. I'm Sean McGill and it's a big one today. We're joined by the gaffer, One Rig Rose manager, Robbie Horn. How are you doing, Robbie? Doing great. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. I mean, good, good. the big news in the last, the last couple of weeks is, well, last week really is we could finally get back to training. What, how was that on uh, Thursday of last week, finally getting back to some contact training?
1: No, it was actually Tuesday. We were supposed to be back because, found- of, because of the weather <laughs> Terms of the weather was actually put back, so um, yeah, we went back Thursday. Um, it was good to be back. And boys had obviously kept themselves ticking over and fairly fit, to be honest, um, just throughout lockdown. Um, and then back again on Saturday, and then hopefully normal kind of week this week. Back at last week training, so now it's good to be back and to see the boys have kept themselves in pretty good condition. So everybody's ready to go.
0: Do you know it's a big lift in the boys to get back to? to normality now. I mean, I know there was a the odd wee session, but to get them probably stuck in and uh, getting back to sort of a, a bigger semblance of normality must have been good.
1: Yeah, especially just getting the balls out and getting the yeah. goals out as well and getting wee games in possession. That's what the guys love to do. Um, so, now they've enjoyed it. The tempo's been great at training right away as well. It's been a really high standard. So, um, now they look like they're pleased to be back.
0: And we'll get on to this squad and all things Bonarig uh, very soon, but just focus on yourself for a moment. Growing up, how big a, a, a part did football play in your life? Are you just football daft when you were a kid. Yeah, just out kicking the ball about in the street. Right.
1: Um, right. And uh, I just remember there's a few of us who used to stay in the same street. Um, Ian Murray, being one of them, um, obviously went on to play, play at Hibs. Um, his brother... And a guy called Kevin Hall, who went down to Crystal Palace as well. When we were younger, we used to be kicking about in the streets quite a lot. Um, and it was one of the neighbours that kind of said to me about going along and playing for. I went and played for North Merkiston when I was about seven years old, um, with under 11s. So it was a bit different back then. you're playing 11 aside right away, seven, eight years old playing playing 11 aside. So that was that's where it kind of started. Went to went to North Merkiston, and from there moved on to Hutchie Vale and played there for a number of years after that.
0: See, when um, you're growing up and you've got three or four years who are clearly at a good standard, like you're saying, they're going on to have good careers. Did people notice that at the time? Do you, were, people, were people saying, "Are oh, these kids, they could be good? Or to you, was it just kicking about your mates like anyone else?
1: For me, it was just kicking about my mates, mm. uh, to be honest. Um, obviously, when you're starting to go through school, people start to talk and you know, boys start to get snapped up on S-forms, et cetera, as well. So, you know, it's a different, different way than, than it is now, obviously. Um, but, yeah, for me, it was just kicking about in the park with my mates, which you which always enjoyed.
0: Absolutely. Um, and your youth career proper started with, with Hearts. How did that come about? Was that straight from, from Hutchie Vale then?
1: Yeah, so I went from Hutchie Vale. Uh, Under-16 level, Hearts had a, a team that was set up. And it was like a sort of pro-youth kit. It was the first sort of started. kind of pro-youth, I would say, where you played against other teams like Celtic and Rangers, etc. as well. Um, so Hearts had entered a team at that level so it was just a year before I went to full-time um, and then I had I had different options at the time as well to go different places but obviously being a Hearts fan as well it's obviously a dream to go and play for your your, your local team and your boyhood team so um, it was a bit of a no-brainer for me um, and yeah went in full-time uh, 16 turning 17 so um, yeah that was it What
0: was that like to, to walk into your boyhood club as so you've gone as a as a fan and grown up loving them, and now you're you're part of that. It was uh, it was pretty daunting, to be honest. Mm. You, you obviously
1: been used to being on the terrace and supporting players, and then all of a sudden you're you're training with them, or you're going in the morning, and you're doing their kit, etc. As well, so it was all a bit daunting for me. I think um, obviously being a Hearts fan, for the other guys that maybe travelled or come from the west, it wouldn't be as big a deal. But for me, it was massive. It was a massive thing, um, but it's something you look back on with fond memories as well.
0: And what, what was it like in, in that dressing room as a youngster? Did you get any, any hard times?
1: Initiations, obviously. You know, get up and singing in front of uh, all the squad is your initiation, mostly. Uh, to be honest, when you first went in, it was the ground staff. You just did your initiation. Um, and then the Christmas night out was an initiation, but it was all the new players had to sing. It was in front of all the first team squad, etc. as well. So, Do
0: you remember what um, you sang?
1: Uh, I sang Dignity. Deacon Blue, <laughs> Deacon Blue, uh,
0: Deacon Blue, dignity. So, I think it was all right. I think it was all right. <laughs> Rate yourself. I like that. Um, and uh, for for the majority of your time at Hearts, or or if not all of it, Jim Jeffries was was the manager. He's a great character. Scottish football. What was he like to be to be around at that at that time? Yeah,
1: I mean, for for me, when I first went, it was it was Walter Kid. He kind of right. looked after the the ground staff. Um, he was, uh, he was very much undisciplined, boy, and but he was brilliant. I look, you, know, you look back in the grounding that he actually gave you, and what he prepared you for as well it wasn't just football, It was in life as well. You know, thought you good habits, um, and uh, no, I think when you look at a lot of the guys that he had when he was when we were on the ground staff, a lot of guys who went on to be really good players and had successful careers, and obviously went on to be managers as well. So, you know, took a lot from that. Um, playing with the reserve team as well, Paul Hegarty. um as a, as a coach. And he was a massive, he was a massive influence on me, I would say. Um, again, expected high standards, but if you worked hard, then he would back you yeah, 100%. And um, no, I really enjoyed working, working with these two guys. And then obviously went on to be involved with the first team and with Jim and Billy as well. Um, it was difficult for me at that time because uh, there were so many good players uh, in that Harps first team squad, you look back the likes of McPherson, obviously Craig Green when I first went in as well, but McPherson, Richie, uh, Bruno, Presley, Petrich, Weir, just you know a real abundance of top quality players. So it was really difficult for me to try and kind of break through at the time, and um, had injuries as well at, at, at that time and didn't really get a, get an opportunity. But when you look back at it. You kind of realise I probably wasn't good enough, and that's the reality of it. And but you know, somebody and I speak to we a into them, Jim and Billy always have a good chat with them. they decent, decent guys, and decent guys who've done a fantastic job, at perhaps.
0: When you talk about earlier on um, picking up good habits and having high standards of you as a person, how important do you think that is in football to sort of instil that side of stuff into players and demanding them as as much of them as a person than as a player.
1: So that's massive for me and you know i think that's something we've got quite a lot of in our changing room. those high standards when it comes to training the guys demand a lot of off each other they got on great don't get me wrong they get on great but they demand mm. high standards from each other when it comes to training and games and um, but yeah i think i think it's changed football's changed a lot you'll, you'll hear a lot of people say that mm. um and i think it's you know i think it's a lot easier for young guys now coming through and um you know if you can stay behind at training whereas i when I was on the ground staff, you didn't get the opportunity to stay behind the training. It was you go and do your jobs and the washing and cleaning boots and sweeping terraces and stuff like that. Which I said, say that you know gives you a good grounding uh, and makes you kind of appreciate what you what you get. Um, whereas I think now it's a little bit different. Um, I think it is easier for guys, um, but obviously they've got the they've got the obviously the chance to go and do things in the afternoon and improve their, their skills etc as well at the same time.
0: How do you work around that now then if you've got a younger player coming through who doesn't get the chance to sort of uh, do those jobs and stuff like that how do you think how, in, in your, obviously you don't get to work with players day-to-day in, in Boyeric Rose but how do you sort of maintain those high standards how do you make sure that they're they're being good human beings as well as good players? I think that comes from the rep for at Bonenic. I mean, I think it comes from the rest of the
1: players that are there. You know, we've got three young guys training with us at the moment. Um we yep. need Aaron Laidlaw and Nicky Weir, who've to be fair, have all done great so far at pre-season training as well and you know hopefully they've got good big futures at Bonnerig. Yep. Um, but I think that they can learn a, a lot from the guys that are there at the moment who you know, they like a laugh and a joke and they get on great, but at the same time when it comes to Training and games and that you can see how much that means to them and uh, I think the guys will hopefully really learn from these people as well. And obviously, there are, are intentions for the for the young boys as well is to try and get them out and out on loan this season as well and get some some game time, at a good level, mm-hmm. and obviously playing adult football as well. I'm obviously, being used to playing in the twenties, but going out and playing uh, going out and playing against adults, I think is a massive thing for them and hopefully that will make them develop as well.
0: You mentioned the the talent in that Hearts squad. Was there anybody in particular who would just be sort of around uh, on on the training ground or during games just like, like they would just blow you away the level of talent they had? There's a number of top quality players
1: mm. at Hearts at, at, at that time, as they say. Obviously, you know, in my position, David Weir was a fantastic uh, player for Hearts, and obviously Scotland Rangers as well. Everton had a fantastic career. Um, one of the players I remember when I first went in there was the guy called Jim Bet. Um, you might not know him, but he, he, was, he played for Aberdeen for years and played for Scotland as well. But I just remember Jim Bett He was probably about 35, 36 when he came in, Um But remember him taking corners and taking corners one side with his right foot, and then going over to take it the other side with his left foot, and um, just had unbelievable ability. Um, not many players see doing that these days, um, mm. but. Um, and nah, as I say, there were some great players in the, at, at that time. As I said, centre halves, Dave McPherson, uh, Paul Ritchie, Pasquale, Bruno, another one as well, uh, was there at, at that time. So, no, nah, it, it was great to great to be at the club at
0: that time. And like you said, that level of talent may be part of the reason that you didn't get as much game time as you would have liked, and you end up out on loan at Counting Beath under former teammate Craig Levine. Um, was that a good experience, do you think? It wasn't, you didn't get. Um, a massive amount of minutes at either, but do you think to sort of go out with a different environment, other than Hearts, and work under a different manager might have, have benefited yeah. you? No, it definitely, it
1: definitely did. It was just a short-term thing, to be honest. It sort of the mm-hmm. season. It, it could Craig had been um, obviously a player at Blair Hearts, and Kenny knew me. He'd actually taken the youth team a few times when I was involved in it. So, um, yeah, he was he was a good good manager, a good guy. Um, and, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to go out and play at Kennedy. And I think it is important for the development of uh, young players as well. I think, they, you know, going out and playing at a, a decent level, you know, gives them a grounding and hopefully toughens them up. And, um, you know, they go on to play with, with their senior teams again. We had, when I was a manager at Berwick, we had a couple of players like that. Um, Andy Irvin, um, obviously playing in Hearts first team. Robbie McCrory was another one who's now in the Scotland squad. And I think mm. it done them the world of good.
0: And because you were out at Cumnock Beath, would you were you around the heart squad during the the ninety eight Scottish Cup one, or were you? Were you yeah, out with yeah.
1: Them? I was kind of on the fringes. I was kind right. of the fringes of the first team. I thought at the time there was maybe a chance of being involved in the squad, um, which went away and prepared for it and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I was probably one of maybe two players that kind of missed out on on that uh, on the opportunity, which was gotten at the time. Um, but at the same time, a uh, fantastic fantastic day for any Hearts supporter when being at the uh, at the cup final.
0: Absolutely. And your time at Hearts comes to an end. How how does that come about as that um do you do you at the time did you feel it was best for you to move on as well? Were you or are you hoping to stay and stay and fight for a place? It was
1: it just won its course, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Um, I wasn't a featuring. I'd been out on loan. I'd been over an island and played over an island as well for a little spell at Lisbon Distillery. Uh, it was Andy Kirk's dad, Ben Paul Kirk took me over to Lisbon. I used to fly over there on a Thursday, train Thursday, play a game on a Saturday and then come back. Um, and it just it just ran its course to be honest. And uh, I was out loan at Forford towards the end of the season and just a sort I was a very small conversation I had with John, it was just but that was it, you know, it was time, time to go, time to move on, which was, it was hard, hard at the time. You look back on it as well, because at the time I was obviously full-time, and then you're having to um, get, a, get a job, uh, work working full-time, and uh, you're playing part-time as well. So it's a really difficult uh, thing to adjust to, and it happens obviously a lot uh, at the moment. Obviously, one of our explorers is now Spartans, Dan Bowers going through something uh similar probably why I've had such a good relationship with Dan as well to be honest that um he's somebody who's obviously leaving hearts, he's, he's a boy that's his boyhood team as well. And he's having to now get into the real world of um uh, working full time and, and playing part time. But they say for any player that's doing that, it's a really difficult thing to adjust to uh, and get uh, used to as well.
0: Absolutely. Jumping back to your, your spell in Ireland there, how hard is that when you're only going over on the Thursday, you're training for maybe a couple of hours or, or whatever and then playing on a Saturday. How, do you can, how can you gel into a team? Does that become a really sort of hard predicament to be in? It
1: was, it was brilliant. I loved every, every minute of it. Um, Andy's dad and family made me very welcome. I used to, I used to as I say, fly over on the Thursday, stay with Andy's mum and dad, train on a Thursday night, have Thursday with, uh, Friday to myself in Belfast and then play the game Saturday and fly back. But the boys were all really, really welcoming. Um, to me when I was there so it was actually I really enjoyed my spell over on Island. it was great Um it used to it was funny there'd be about four or five Scottish boys all flying over at the same time um, on a Thursday to train on a Thursday night game on a Saturday and they'd all fly back on a, on a Saturday after the game you usually meet the guys at the airport and have a couple of beers so it was good it was good times.
0: <laughs> Sounds pretty good and uh, after that you end up at 4-4 at how, did, how did that come about? I finished the season at Forfar when that last season I had at Hearts, mm.
1: um, and we were going for promotion as well, and which we got in the last last game of the season. So, um, yeah, I was actually in that summer Forfar wanted to obviously sign me, and, and uh, but still in Albion, we're kind of still and Albion at the time. We're going to be in the same league as Forfar, and uh, they were full time, and they were going to offer me a contract, but I kind of had a conversation with Ray Stewart, who was a manager, and uh, Forfar wanted to speak to me. As I said to Ray, I said, look, I'm going to go speak to I Played in the last season with them, but I want to stay full time, but I've got to give them the place to kind of give me an opportunity to to stay there. So Mm -hmm. I went and spoke to Forfar. part time, money wasn't the same. um, So I was like, look, I'm going to sign for Stirling. So I went to meet Ray Stewart and uh, travel through He's sitting in the manager's office, and he said to me, you've made me sweat the last few days, son, so um, I'm going off on holiday uh, tomorrow. And uh, he said, I'm going to make you sweat as well, so we'll sort this out when I come back from holiday. So I actually just got up and basically told him if, if off, and uh, walked out and signed for, signed for Forfa. Um, and then about two years later, Ray Shirt turned up as the forfer manager. <laughs>
0: So how does that not, work? Do you have to have a conversation in that sense to to clear the air, or is
1: it is it sort of? Uh, he, he got in, he got introduced to the the team at Fawford, for the squad that for up at for his first night, and he kind of said to me, "Do you remember me, sir?" Yeah, but he was, <laughs> to be fair, he was actually he was actually brand new. But he was there was no hmm. issues at all. He was fine. He was fine. So just one of these situations that happens at football. Yeah,
0: funny how that works out. But at least it was all fine. Um, and 100 appearances at, at for It's obviously um a great club for you throughout your career. And the same could be said of Berwick, it's some of your return as a, a manager, but as a as a player, how do you look back on your on your time down south? It was great. Um they had a fantastic changing room.
1: Um similar to what's at Bonard to be honest. And the, the the spirit um they've got amongst themselves as well. It's exactly the same as what I, I had at down at Berwick. Great bunch of boys, all round about the same kind of age. Um, you know, so going to training it was enjoyable. You worked hard when you were to training, but um, it was enjoyable. We were your mates, really. That's what it was like. And um, Obviously, we had a, a successful spell. We won the league as well. We missed out the season previous, and then the second season, we went on to win it with probably a squad which wasn't as good as the previous season and probably wasn't the best squad in the league, but we managed to win the league.
0: Yeah, Brilliant. And when you're um, at Berwick, is that when... Coaching starts coming to your mind, or have you got that much earlier on? Are you always thinking I'd like to get into that to that side of the game?
1: Yeah, it was probably when I was obviously I was at Berwick, and um, I think there'd been a change of manager again, and Jimmy Creed had stepped in to be like uh, the manager, but Jimmy didn't want to get involved with regarding what was happening on the training pitch, and um, so he kind of left it to Yano, uh, Ian Little, and, and myself at the time to kind of do the training. Um so it's kind of from that point there, I kind of got involved and obviously left Berwick, went to the Vale um, as a coach initially. And within three weeks, the manager was away uh,
0: and they, they offered me the job. And that's just kind of snowballed from there, to be honest.
1: Um,
0: so. uh, how did that feel to step up and, and take a managerial role for yourself to not to be the sort of number one man on the job? Um
1: it was it was it was fine to be honest. Um, again, I was really lucky. It was, when I was down there, was a great bunch of boys down there. Um, they'd been successful in the previous season and been promoted. Um, so they would had a decent squad together, been used to kind of used to kind of winning in the league obviously below. So they had a good spirit amongst them. Um, so they kind of they kind of made it easy for me. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't easy as in the league that we were in and what we were competing with and the budgets etc. But the way the guys went about their their business and how they were as a group, it, it made made things easier. I mean, I was lucky as a as a young manager that I, I actually had that. And if it'd been you know a more experienced change room, it might have been more more difficult for me. Um, you know, they could have caused issues. But as it was, the guys
0: were great. And then you returned to Berwick as a as a coach. Is that is that right? Was a lot? Is it a lot the same? Yeah, I, sort of. I was just I went back as assistant manager. So okay.
1: Yano Yana, Yana got the job. Um, and I had a decent spell, I'd had a decent spell at the bill. we'd had a good Scottish Cup run as well, we'd beaten Cove, um, and we'd got knocked out by Lake down there and we were a wee bit unlucky in the day. Hmm. Um, but Yano got in contact and just basically asked if I fancy going back as a system. manager. For me it was a bit of a no-brainer, i seen it kind of as, as a step up, which was no disrespect to the deal at the time, but it just thought was a, a kind of step up, so, um, and obviously Yano had been somebody that had I had a really good relationship with and, and we got, we got to the day, we got on, got on great, got on really well and yeah, so it was a no-brainer to, to go back and, and work with Yana.
0: And after that is when uh, Boynery Groves come calling. How, uh, how does that feel to have a club sort of the size of Boynery Groves to, to offer you the manager's job?
1: Yeah, it was great. I mean, when I left, I left Berwick it was Colin, Colin Mark Cameron was the manager and uh, I just kind of felt i kind of gone a bit stale a little bit and just needed a wee change and maybe going into management was an option for me and obviously there have been changes within at Bonnig as well and Charlie picked up the phone and asked me to come in for a meeting and I met with Charlie, Brendan and Bob and you know, it was a quick meeting but we offered the job and you know it's never, we not, not really looked back since Empty Bonnig as, as a club Um it's been great um, so it's been a great experience working, working with these guys, and these guys work incredibly hard for the club. I was lucky as well, there was a, you know, a core of maybe five or six boys that are really still there now that, um, you know, that they have been great for the football club. Like Johnny Browns to Johnny Shirts, Al Horns, these kind of guys, they've been fantastic for the club from that period and been great for me in that, in that spell as well. And, Obviously, we've brought in boys over that period of time, who have all
0: fitted in really well to the makeup of the squad. And that first season, it's a it's a league title. How do you how proud was that to sort of wrap that up in your your first season at the club? It was brilliant. And uh, if you asked many Borwick Road supporters, they would have thought it wasn't going to happen after the first game away at St Andrews. Um, Tell me about that. Tell me about that, because I'm I'm not as well versed as a lot of Borwick fans who'll be watching. So.
1: Aye, so first league game away at St. Andrews, prepared really well with a great pre-season. Um, our second choice goalie, Billy Bald, at the time, had uh, had his brother's wedding, so he couldn't make it. And Paul Grant, who was our first choice goalkeeper at the time, um, he worked as a postie, so it was maybe a bit tight for him to get up there for the start of the game. Uh, so as it was, uh, Bobo, as, he's, as he was known, um, is racing up to try and get there for kickoff. Um, he finished work, his work late first and foremost, but then got stopped by the police for speeding. Um, so eventually, turns up late. We were thinking about sticking somebody else in the goals, but they managed to delay the kickoff for us uh, for five, ten minutes just to let Bobo get there and get the game started. Um, but we, it was a game we came. it was a weird game. We were a like better team, but just dominated, but just couldn't, he, couldn't he score. And we lost two goals, we ended up getting 2 0. Johnny Browning got sent off as well. It was just a bit of a nightmare start, and you're just thinking, "Oh, here we go." I know there's a conversation there about there a couple of supporters that kind of said, "Oh, I didn't think you were going to last long after that, <laughs> that first game." Um, but nah, yeah, it was just one of the one of those days that just never really went for us. And uh, but from that point on, you know, we started to get it together.
0: When you um, you hear stuff like that, like, oh. One keeper couldn't make it because it was his brother's wedding, and then another one was late because he's a postie. What's the? Have you had any particularly funny or like weird reasons that people couldn't make games or couldn't make training? I saw, I saw one on Twitter today, but I don't know, uh, if, about, you like, seen don't know if we should <laughs> do know if should repeat that on this podcast. <laughs> we're not we really talking about that one. Not really absolutely not, about. absolutely not. But I do know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Uh, no, 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 no. The boys are the boys are usually. Pretty, pretty good, pretty reliable. We had a wee joke about it. I dropped that one in the group chat to the boys today and just just said i have not had this one yet. And uh, Keir remarked that uh, working in Fife tonight was one of his favourites. So, um, uh, But nah, the boys are pretty, pretty good, pretty reliable for getting the training in, in games. <laughs>
0: um, that league title we're talking about there is maybe a bit unexpected and it was the first one in four years. How did you go about Making sure that there was a winning mentality back at boringrig over that time. What how did you ensure that they were back up to the standard that they could win league titles? I think it became a wee bit more expected in that sort of spell for
1: Bollinger as well. In the season mm. previous they'd been a wee bit disappointed. I think they'd finished eighth in the league the season previous. So um, you no, know, it's just try again try to set standards and you know, not accepting defeat and accepting mediocre, medi- mediocrity. So, um must say setting standards, creating a spirit amongst the players, I think that's that's important for me and man managing guys as best as you possibly can um, and I think I think I did that over the course of the season and as I said I was lucky you know, there was a group of boys there uh, already that were you know got on really well together, had good attitudes um, and the boys that came in as well, you know, they really gelled to the people that were there
0: and you know, it made for a great season for us One of the key standout moments from that first tenure at at was the Scottish Cup run that ended it um, with the Hibs game. But to lead a team out at Tyne Castle, like you say, the Boyhood Hearts fan was there as a player. So as a manager, to lead a team out at Tyne Castle against Hibs of all teams must have been a, a massive honour. It was.
1: It was a, do you know what? It, it, came, it became a bit of a circus as well. Um, mm. And, I, and I, when it looked back on it, it like, I kind of forgot about the game <laughs> a wee bit um but right. you can't you can't fault the guys for that the run that we'd had and the the victories we'd had in the runs the games previous to that we had some great results um i remember the game up at Turriff, and um, it was tight and we ended up getting away with, with you know a, a draw up there and then beating them back at home beating cove at home as well at the time we were yeah. a really good side and then obviously beating the championship team in dumbarton yeah, was, was huge so you know the guys Earned the right for um, the day in the sun. To be honest, with, against Hibbs, and as I say, I was just I was just disappointed on the on the day that we didn't perform like we, we possibly could. And um, but it was something that we'll we'll never forget. The build up with obviously with Sky etc. As well with the James Bond theme, and it was just it was just uh, unbelievable. I remember before the game as well doing an interview for Radio Five Live. And uh, I think I think it was Liverpool were playing the same day, or they played the night before, or something like that. But I was waiting on the interview with Jurgen Klopp to finish before I started mine. <laughs> and you're just like, this is a bit weird. Um, so, but yeah, good, good, good memories.
0: But to be in the same breath as Jurgen Klopp isn't isn't too bad. So that's nah, not too bad. No. You like can take pride in that one. Um, the first bit of boring comes to the end. You go down to to Berwick you've obviously got a lot of ties with, with that club as well so to take a job with them in the SPFL must have been must have been great for you. It was
1: um, and it was probably at the time I kind of looked at it as my only opportunity to get into senior football and um, you know Bonham hadn't made that trip across the east of Scotland as yet that you we know, switched across so I kind of seen it as my maybe my only opportunity to get into senior football because it's it's really difficult for managers at lower levels to get that opportunity of senior football, and as I said, um, I just saw it as a, a wee, a wee chance. For me and uh, it didn't, as it was, it didn't work out. I just, I think I was probably at then at the club at the wrong time. Um, things off the park weren't great. Um, atmosphere around the club as a whole was was wasn't great, um, and it's you know it was disappointing the way everything turned out, and. Um, you no, know, looks like they have managed to sort things out now off the pitch, which is which is good. Um, and obviously, Yano's back there as well.
0: So, uh, yeah, wish them all the best. And you've had that uh, a, a great period of success in your management career leading up to that. So, how tough an experience was that to sort of face a real a real roadblock? Um, I was
1: under no illusions when I went in how difficult the mm. job was going to be. I mean, it was a really tough league. Um, Some you know, decent teams in there and decent teams spending good money as well. I mean, in that yeah. respect you couldn't you you couldn't compete. Um but I felt you know I felt like I, I was good enough to do the job to try and get them, um, you know, out of that bottom end of the table and looking sort of towards more the top half of the table and just to see where, it, where we could go from there. But um as it was it just it didn't transpire for a number of reasons. Maybe some things I did wasn't good enough. Um, But I just felt there was a complete malaise around around the whole club at the time. And, you know, I think a lot of people looking back would probably say the same thing. And Hopefully the changes down there have been for the better. And it looks like it has, you know, especially over the lockdown period, you know, to see what they've done um, regarding social media and, you know, their websites and all of the different uh, things they've undertaken. This was great. And it's good to see um, that things have changed because in the day, you know, it's still a club that I've got a lot of uh, respect and a lot of heart for as well because they were good to me and I had good times there as well as a player. So um being there as a manager and not being successful, um yeah, it's disappointing, but that's what happens sometimes in football. Yep.
0: And you said that after that, um you're maybe a little disillusioned with football and the one place you think you'd come back to would be would be Bonnerig. Why was that? Why does what was so right about Bonnering? You thought that's the place where you could feel sort of safe and enjoy football again? Yeah, um, obviously when I, when I left towards Edinburgh, it was, it was difficult times.
1: Um, I was coming home, and uh, and I was not say I was in bad moods, but it was just difficult to kind of forget about what had happened. And right mm. after the game on the Saturday, you were thinking about going to the train on the Tuesday, Thursday, and trying to prepare for the next Saturday. So it started to affect me. There's no doubt about that. Um, had a, a wee sort of health scare when I was there as well, and it was just like this is nuts. Yeah. And then I, and then I made that decision just to, to step away from it and uh, take a wee break uh, from football. But at the same time, I think it was just in fact it was before me. I think Whitey had actually resigned as my manager of Borac as well. Um. So he'd actually gone first. Um. And then you know there was a conversation with Charlie as well you know, as soon as I'd kind of left, or as soon as Whitey had left, to be honest, that, you know, would I be interested in coming back to Bonn And I, I kind of had to say to Charlie, look, I'm not right for this at this moment in time. I need to have a break from, from football and, you know, recharge the batteries and see where I'm at. So after three, four weeks, you know, obvious to me that I was wanted to, I wanted to go back to football, but I just didn't want to rush into it at the same time. Um, and I was lucky that the club were understanding of that. And... Um, there was lots of rumours that I was going back for long enough and obviously David had gone back as well as a sort of temporary manager with mm-hmm. and Johnny helping me as well. So, um, yeah, so I, I was, you know, i kind of made that decision after about three, four weeks that I was going to go back, but I was just waiting for the right time when I, I felt right in my own head that I was ready to go back.
0: And if you, you weren't sure about uh, if you were still enjoying football, the season that followed would definitely make sure that you would, because it was just a mad season uh, at Bonnyrigg, the um, league winners. How do you look back on it? Because it was a pretty, uh, yeah, crazy it was incredible. Game. Yeah. It
1: was absolutely incredible. Some of the things that happened towards the end of the season just, just unreal. And that that game against Bloxburn away will never be forgotten. Now. It was just, again, it's one of those days. Moisey was, I think, it was some family wedding. He was at, so he wasn't available. Um, your goalie gets sent off. Uh, you concede from the free kick, and you're just thinking, "Oh, here we go." And then you're two out at the end of half time. Um, but just there was just something in me. With, like at half time, I remember speaking to players, and you could see their heads were down a wee bit. And I just kind of, but I still felt we were still in the game because we've got players that could cause them problems. And what you said to them at half time was just keep it tight for you know fifteen, twenty minutes, and then we can maybe open up and have a have a wee go. And they did that. And uh, once we got a goal back, um, they started to panic a wee bit. And we grew. We grew in confidence in the game. And to actually go on and win the game 3-2 with 10 men, it's just absolutely incredible. And it speaks volumes for the group of boys that are actually there. And the spirit they've got, uh, the desire to win as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. In the time that I've been at Bonn there has been so many times where we have scored in the 89th or 93rd minute, whatever it is to win games of football, it's incredible. And that's, as I said, that's that's down to players. Um, good players, really good players, great attitudes, but just a real spirit togetherness and uh desire to win football matches.
0: You're saying that's down to the players, but you, 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 you must play some role in cultivating that feeling, that attitude. How do you go about doing that to make sure that that fighting to the death mentality is there? Yeah,
1: I mean, obviously, what I try and do is I'm trying man manage the players the best I can and try to set standards of what I expect as well and what the club expects. You um, know, Johnny mentioned it in his podcast as well. You know, I'm always around at the training. Sometimes I'll get involved in the training, but most of the time it's you know it's Davy or Sean that's taking the chain. And the guys sometimes are maybe thinking that oh, the gaffer's not really watching here, but I'm I'm walking <laughs> around picking up balls and seeing what's who's doing what. And um, so, um, no, I yeah, I, I manage the players the best I can. I knew what, what I expect um, from them. And, and I've probably changed a little bit from the first spell. when I was managing the whereby I'm a little bit more laid back than I used to be. Um, players will tell you as well that, you know, if, if they need a blast, they'll get a blast. Um, but, you know, most of the time I'm fairly, fairly laid back now. But as I say, if, you know, things are not going the way I want them to be or it's not they not playing to the levels I expect or working as hard as I think they should be, then they will get a blast. So I think they, I think they understand that. I think they respect, respect me in that respect as well.
0: Why have you chosen that sort of coaching dynamic where you're more a man-manager and step back? Is that because that's something that you saw at Berwick and you thought that's how you got into the coaching side of it and you think that dynamic works or...? Or how do you decide that you're not going to be sort I, of? I I think it's probably probably the, w- the way I was treated as a player. There was quite a number of times
1: I would say as a player that you know you get left out, and you don't get spoken to, or um, don't agree with something, but you don't feel like a manager's maybe explaining something to you. Um, and I think if you spoke to a lot of the the boys, that they might disagree when they get left out for a game on a Saturday. But I always I always speak to a player and say, look, I'm leaving you out today because this and you might disagree with it whatever but that's my decision if you want to speak about it come and see me on Tuesday whatever and and the doors always always open for the guys to do that and as I say you know a lot of times they might disagree with it but as a manager these are decisions you have to make but I think you gain respect from people and players that you know you're giving them their place you're giving them the time Um, and I think that I think that's worked pretty well for me over that period of time don't get me wrong it's it's horrible (laughs) It's a horrible thing to do, having to tell a player he's not playing on a Saturday when they've trained on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And, you know, football is a bit of a release for guys as well at our level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult trying to leave these guys out. And you wish sometimes you, wish you could just play them all. But that's football that you've got to make these decisions. And it's uh, it's hard at times to leave them out. But yeah, you just got to do it.
0: And that first season with the, the league title, is that sweeter than the previous yeah. one because there's that progression now that you can see the club moving up the pyramid and they're now into the lone league?
1: Yeah, it was it was massive to try and get out of that league as soon as we can because, you know, I'm, I'm obviously Bones last year, uh, they were strong. Um, yeah. and Lithgow, I think Linlithgow this year are going to be really strong as well. Plus you added the mix of any. Broxburns as well, a good sides, Muskelburg, good sides. So um I just thought felt that you had to try and get out as soon as possible. Because if you don't get out in that first season, it might become more difficult each year. So in that respect, um that's you know, it was great to get out in that first season. And then you look at the Wall League again and you look at you think some of the teams that could potentially come into it again, you know, you look at the West mm-hmm. of Scotland teams you Ock know, and Lex, Darvils, yeah. Bullets, these th- teams like that, you know, if they're to get into this low league as well, it's going to be some league um, and incredibly difficult to, to get out. And, you know, but this is why, for me, that you know, they've got to look at it, the SPFL have got to look at it and look at the pyramid system and there's got to be more fluidity between the leagues to allow teams to find a level quicker. Um, just my opinion and a lot of people might disagree with it, but I just feel uh, you've seen it for yourself, it can be a bit of a close
0: shop at times. Yeah, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast, especially would, would agree with you on that one. Um, yeah. Speaking of last season, I don't think any. I said this um, on the podcast with Johnny, I don't think anyone thought that a um, would struggle, but I, there's definitely a sense that they defied the expectations last season and really, really pushed um, Kelly at the, at the top of the league. Were you always confident that um, it could be that much of a successful season? I was confident we'd
1: be in the top four or five teams in the league. Right, um right. and I just I, I felt like, you know, if we could be hanging in there then we'd have a chance. But try to drill into players as well that, you know, we can be quietly confident, but we're not gonna go about saying oh we're gonna win the league or anything like this. Um just go about our business as quietly as possible. And I know if it comes to the last few months of the season we're in with a chance, then obviously you can start saying, oh we're we're here to win it, or whatever like that. But um yeah, obviously the way it transpired at the end was, was really disappointing. Um, we didn't get to finish the season. Um, but I was always confident at the start of the season that we would be in that top four or five teams in the league, which was important as well, obviously. We're entering uh, the Tunnock's Cup as well. So, um, But whether that's going to happen or not, who knows. Yeah,
0: I'll have to wait and see on that one. Another um, Scottish Cup run last season, and a, a, a massively impressive one as well, when you're talking earlier about maybe the the Hibs game becoming a bit of a circus, are you were you wary of that for the Bucky Thistle game when the BBC are coming on a Friday night? It's maybe obviously it's not um, yeah. the same stage and the same sort of uh, caliber of opposition, but you still sort of the back of your head you don't want to get caught up in all the the lights and the glamour of it. 100, 100.
1: I'd said it to I said it to the players in the build up to the game that you would actually watched the the Celtic. Och and and um, build up as well, and a lot of focus on Kelty in the in the build up to the game, and uh, I don't know if that uh, riled up Och and Leck as well. And Kelty were a wee bit a wee, a wee bit different in their mindset going into the game, and mm. um, but I was really wary for us as well because I've been a lot of focus on in and lead up lead up to the game. I'm not so much in Bucky probably, um, so you know it added a lot of pressure. But there was lots of things we had to do in the build up to the game as well. So, I was live on a radio show with Rob McLean and Gary Locke and uh, Mikey Stewart and uh, the guys obviously doing their different things that they had to do for the papers and uh, the William Hill stuff as well. So I was really aware of it, but in the build-up, when you choose the answers, they kind of try to drill it into them. Look, you know, there's a game of football here at the Uh. end of this. And the most important thing is that we win that game of football and we get through to the next round. Um, And we did. And... uh, wasn't the best of performances. It wasn't the, the most attractive of games you'll ever see. Um, but again, the guys, you know, dug in and uh, managed to get a result. And a, and a pitch, it was, it was just about unplayable to be honest. I remember turning up at the ground and thinking this game could be off. And I think mm-hmm. if it hadn't been on television, I think it might have been off. There just there was water lying on the pitch, and I just thought, here we go. But lucky for us, it was on and. Uh, Obviously, Johnny set the ball on a bit of a flip goal, and then but then George showed a bit of quality as well. Said, Such a good know, goal! Aye, uh, great goal.
0: And at that whole Scottish Cup run—how validating is that to see Bonner go on a cup run like that and not just compete with but beat SPFL clubs? And it only just really backs up your point that the fluidity between uh, the leagues and the SPFL should be a lot uh, greater, really easier. Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, you take great pride in the results, and I think I think it's a marker for the guys as well, whereby they want to show that they're good enough to play at a higher level. And, you know, I've said it plenty of times before: there's guys within our squad that are more than capable of playing at a higher level, and a number of players as well in in the lower league are more than capable. You just have to look at the quality of players that Kelly and East Kilbride especially, have been signing recently, and um, but other teams as well. There's real quality players within the, within the league, and um, so. I just feel, you know, like say, like say, Celtic and East Ride as well. The money they have spent that they could be competing, you know, League One, no problem with them with the budgets that they've got. So, um, yeah, you just want, as I say, you just want the perimeter system to be working the way it should be for me.
0: And talk about managing more generally. We spoke a wee bit about it earlier, but how demanding is it to be a part-time manager? We're talking before we start recording about your work life as well, so you' You're working, you've got to think about training you've got to think about player selection and all those sorts of things j just, just talk us through how sort of uh, hard that can get to to have all these different plates spinning yeah it's um
1: it's incredibly difficult uh, I think like looking back when I first started, I probably used to do try and do too much. I used to try and do the training um and do everything else as well and you what you find as well is your phone never stops. During the day, it was probably worse when I was at Berwick, to be honest, when in the leagues that your phone never stopped. But it's even for for Bonag as well, it never stops. I probably speak to Davy every day. Um, I think our wives or partners think we're having an affair or something like that. We speak to each other that much. Um, But in the chat with the guys as well, with the committee as well, Charlie, Brendan, Bob, you know, just about every day we're in contact regarding something. Um, so there's always something going on, and you're always thinking towards regards training. And have a brief chat, what you're going to do at training, and you're talking about the opposition. So it just it never stops. Um, in that respect, I'm kind of lucky as well that the job I'm in, I'm you know I'm out about appointments, and I could be driving my car and going to an appointment. That's when I'm usually trying to make my phone calls as much as I can <laughs> in between appointments. Um, so in that respect, I'm I'm quite lucky. But no, it's it's difficult juggling. I don't think. Uh, don't think people probably appreciate that or see that um how much uh, time it actually takes up then your family time as well um but um yeah it's you know something that something that I enjoy something I'm passionate about as well so uh you know I wouldn't have changed that uh, for the world
0: you mentioned family there and um your, your daughter's over in the states uh playing football How how's she getting on is she adjusting well to life out there
1: yeah, um, Facetiming just about every day. So <laughs> she Facetimed yesterday, asked to get Jaffa cakes and white chocolate Kit Kat sent over. So it's set over. Um, uh, so now nah, she's settled in great. She's settled in fine. Um, obviously, with COVID at the moment over there as well, the season's actually not starting until January. So what's right. at the moment? It's just giving her a chance to kind of settle in regarding her studies. She's obviously studying, and she's over there as well, psychology. So. And getting acclimatized as well. So she's doing a bit of training, um and then doing her studies in that as well. So now nah, she she's settled in great. Settled in great.
0: Sounds brilliant. Um we're talking about there how, how demanding management can be at this at this level. How much easier is it when you've got a squad like you've said to get on extremely well, they're able to pull each other up on it? Does that just make your job a lot easier?
1: It does, I it does. Um, you know, they they kind of sometimes they, they can manage themselves. I think Lewis Turner said that a few times in the group, group <laughs> chat. He keeps telling me when he fished on a night out, I think sometimes <laughs> he'll tell me, You don't really need a manager, we can, we can, we can manage ourselves. Um, but no, nah, they, they do. As I said before so many times, it, it's a fantastic group of players. Been have you been know, very fortunate. Um, me, very fortunate as a manager. But as a club, they've been very, very fortunate with the success we've had and the group of boys we've had for this spell. And at some point, it's going to end. um, But for now, we've we've still got them. So you've just got to appreciate them for as long as we've got them. Because as I a, it's a great bunch of guys.
0: That's two consecutive podcasts where Lewis Turner's been called out. So uh, (laughs) we we might need to give him a chance to defend himself at some point. Uh, Looking ahead to the new season, um, just how excited are you to get back uh, on that touchline again? And hopefully we can have as many Rose fans in New Dundas Park as possible.
1: Yeah, it's still all a bit of the unknown to be honest. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're just trying to train as normal and prepare as we can. We've obviously got pre-season friendlies etc. that lined up as well but um, hopefully there'll be some kind of announcements or even more information coming out this week regarding guidelines to games and who can come in and what. So, um, but yeah, we're just looking forward to and enjoying it to be honest, just enjoying being back together as a group and Enjoy training again, and yeah, the games will, will come along thick and fast. Um, once we start the pre-season friendlies, and then we'll be right back into it. But you know, looking at the league as a whole, it's a really, really tough league this year. Um, some really, really strong teams, I would say. Um, so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a difficult season. And as you said, you know, people you know seen us last season, and maybe know a wee bit more what to expect this season as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's gonna be tough. But um, you know, we're hoping that we'll be towards that top. End of the
0: table again, and in a time when there's been a lot of upheaval in life, but football as well, uh, Bonny them managed to keep up the whole whole squad together really, in just a few additions. What do you make of the the signings that we've seen come in so far this summer? No, I'm delighted to the guys that have come in. Um, Andy Mears, I played a really.
1: Uh, thought had a, a good season for Civil last year. He done great in the two games against us. Um, I thought he was outstanding in the games against us. Um, gives us another option on the, on the left hand side um, as well. But he's technically very, very good. Creates things as well. So you know he he he's a really good signing. Big Bob uh, Robert Wilson obviously know him from Berwick. Actually knew him from a, when I was there at Berwick the first time as well, where he was involved with the reserves. That. Um, he was, a, he was only a young lad at the time, but a big strap in centre-half. So, you know, I'm, I know what I'm going to get with Bob. He's a big, honest guy. He gives everything he's got. He's very fit and, and a good character for us to have in our changing room as well. So, pleased with that. And then, obviously, young young Jordan as well. He had a great season last year with Castles. scored a lot, a lot of goals. Um, but already you can see in the wee bits and bobs of training we've got, he's got a great attitude, fantastic attitude. Uh, very fit, good movement, and looks a natural goal goal scorer as well. So, you no, know, I think he's going to be a, a really big signing for the club for years to come as well.
0: And so, are obviously very happy with the squad. Do you set specific targets heading into the new season, or is it more a case of taking things as they come and hopefully just being as competitive as we can be? I, I
1: try and say the, the guys, you know, this is where we expect to be. In the, you know, the top. Like last year, we kind of said, probably top four, top five, this is where we want to be, that's where we wanna be again. So yeah, and you know, if if we're there competing as the season goes on, then obviously your goals start to move a little bit. But um, you know, realistically, if you look at, you know, teams' budgets, etc. as well, being in the top four, top five is a good thing for for Borough. Um but again with the squad of players that we've got, we're very fortunate and you know, if we can perform like we can, and we're lucky with injuries, etc., as well, and maybe other teams are maybe not at it, then we've got a chance. There's no doubt about that. We've got a chance. So, um, but initially, you've kind of got in your head if you, you're the top four, top five, and then see if we can go and challenge from there.
0: Absolutely. Well, Robbie, thank you very much for coming on. It's been great chatting to you, and hopefully, I can yeah. meet you in person soon enough, and we can we can get to yeah. New Dundas Park and see all the fans I'll again. Absolutely. Um, And thank you to everyone for listening or watching. We do hope to see you soon and keep an eye on our social media channels so we can give you the latest updates on what to expect, like Robbie was saying there. So that's Bonnie Rig Rose Athletic on Facebook and at Bonnie Rig Rose on Twitter. Don't forget to to subscribe to the Rosie Posey podcast on uh, Spotify and you can watch it on YouTube at Bonnie Rig Rose TV. Thank you very much again for watching or listening and we hope to see you soon. Cheers.
1: I oh, oh,